Amen. Grab your Bibles this morning. Turn to the book of Mark, Mark chapter number two. A story this morning that is familiar to you, I'm sure, if you've been in church for any length of time, uh, but it's an exciting story. And as we are in this Thanksgiving season uh, and uh, finding cause for, for gratitude and thanksgiving, we find somebody in our story here today who certainly had cause for gratitude, certainly had motivation for thanksgiving. The title of the message this morning is Experiencing the Unexpected. Experiencing the Unexpected. You know, there's uh, the unexpected is very enjoyable. Uh, when things, uh, when, when the unexpected, I mean, how many of you like finding that unexpected deal? You know, I mean, that's awesome. Yeah, wow. How many of you ladies enjoy it when uh, you come home and your husband has uh, cleaned the house? He's made, your, he's made your favorite meal, and he's got fresh flowers on the table. You say, well, not only is that unexpected, it's unheard of, right? <laughs> Come on, man. Let's, let's, let's step up our game a little bit. Uh, you know, that's the, the unexpected. It can be enjoyable. It can be fun. You know, there's also sometimes the unexpected is, is not quite as enjoyable. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you have ever had the misfortune of stepping in something unexpected. Uh, that's not so enjoyable. I recall this morning a story that I heard my brother tell about a burglar that was breaking into a house and it was after dark and he's sneaking into the house and he's finding his way through and into the study hopefully to make himself rich and he hears uh, what is obviously a parrot that says I see you and Jesus sees you and he thought well that's just a dumb bird and I've never been one to pay much mind to Jesus, obviously, I'm here stealing, uh, so uh, he's not too worried about it, but he makes his way over to the study, and he finds the light switch, and he turns it on, and there he is confronted with a parrot, and a Doberman with teeth bared, ready to charge, and that is when the parrot said, get him, Jesus, The unexpected, the unexpected can be pleasant, it also can be unpleasant, but we at times in our lives need to learn how to have gratitude in, the, in things that maybe aren't as pleasant, but we also certainly should have gratitude when God brings the unexpected into our life. We have here in our story this morning, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 is the entirety of the text. By way of introduction, we're just going to read the first five verses. Would you follow along with me as I read to you? This Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he saith unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. We have this morning this story. This man who was sick of the palsy, 
who didn't have much to look forward to, who didn't have much hope in life, he was confronted with the unexpected, being given a chance and an opportunity to not just be healed, but to be forgiven. You talk about a reason for gratitude. Amen. We have here a cot. The teen boys have been picked on today already, so let's just continue the process here. <laughs> I need five boys. Uh, so obviously, I, this, this story takes four people that are strong and uh, one that is... So Shamar, you want to lay down on the cot? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> let's let's make you one of the four that bear them. How about uh, Stephen? This is the only time you get to sleep in church. Go ahead and take a nap. These guys are going to just lay down on the cot there, stretch out. Uh, so he is laying on the cot. Now, this is designed to collapse. Hopefully it doesn't collapse. You four get around and uh, find him. Um, you see... Find a way to lift him up there. I'm not sure if you can do it without closing, collapsing the cot. Oh, yeah, good. Why don't you carry him around to the other side and set him up over there? Go down and around. And it's a little bit of a journey to get this man sick of the palsy, get him from his home to Jesus. So go ahead and bring him, set him up here. All right. Good. Now, you guys can just stand around him there for a minute. You see, he had cause... For gratitude. You talk about the unexpected. If you can picture it or think about this guy being sick of the palsy, one all alone, all by himself, without any means or capacity, no way to get himself to Jesus. He couldn't do it on his own. And yet he had some friends who heard that Jesus was in town, that Jesus, it was noised abroad, it was set out that Jesus was near. And I can imagine these guys probably weren't sitting at home playing on video games because these are upstanding young Christian men and they're probably out working, amen? amen. <laughs> these guys were probably at their jobs. They were out working, they were in the field and they were tending to the animals and about their father's work. They were doing what they had to do. And yet they heard Jesus was in town and they dropped what they were doing and came to their friend's side. I can imagine one of them, Eli, he probably heard Jesus in town, and he ran over to Shamar's house and said, Shamar, guess what? Jesus is in town. Shamar's like, yeah, I heard. Good job. Thanks for telling me. And he's like, no, no, no. Hey, we've got our friend. You remember? He's sick of the palsy. We've got to get him to Jesus. And Shamar said, man, we sure do. Let's leave our stuff here. We're going to go. Let's go get our other buddies. And they went over and they found Caleb. And they found Andrew and says, hey, we need some more muscle. Come on. Come help us get our friend to Jesus. You know, we ought to be about doing that. As God's people, we ought to be about looking for those that have no means or ability to get to Jesus and be endeavoring to bring them to Christ. They went and got their friend, and I can imagine him laying there. He maybe even heard that Jesus was in town. In his heart, he's probably thinking, man, it would be so great to see Jesus. I know if I got to Jesus, he could do something for me. That would be amazing, but he's got no help. He's probably in his heart and his mind crying out to God, Lord, help me. Send somebody to help me. And then comes through the door of his little house, home, or maybe he was on the street. We don't know, but he... 
Up comes his friends. These guys that had enough concern and compassion in their heart to come and bear him up and bring him to Jesus. He had motivation. Why don't you guys have a seat on the front row and you can just take a nap. Uh, We'll get back to you in just a moment. I want you to see some reasons that he had for gratitude this morning and maybe be challenged in our heart with some thoughts here. I want you, first of all, that the abode of the Father. The place that he was, the place where Jesus rested, he says, and it again, he entered into Capernaum after some days and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. You know, that word jumped out at me as I read this. No room. And I've never even thought about it before, except we're coming into the Christmas season. And I thought, isn't that a fitting description when tied with talking about Jesus? From his birth until today, there's often no room for him. But here, Jesus is in what is believed to be Peter's house. It was supposed to be his resting place. It was supposed to be the place where Jesus kind of stepped away for a little bit, maybe had a little bit of alone time and, and was able to relax, but it was the place where Jesus dwelt. I wonder how many Christians who know Jesus has forgiven them of their sins and they have Jesus in their heart, his resting place, his dwelling place, and yet we've crowded him out with all of the cares of this world. We've let everything else in. It's so full and so busy. Maybe there's not room for Jesus, but I hope there's room for Jesus in your heart. I hope there's room for Jesus in your home. What I want you to understand this morning, if you want to experience or be able to enjoy the unexpected from the Father, you got to get where He is. You got to get where Jesus is. You got to get into his presence. This man didn't have a means or a way to get there on his own. If you want to see the unexpected miracles of God, you got to get where he is. Do you like being where Jesus is? Do you make it your habit to get alone with him? Do you make it part of your day to spend some time with Jesus? Do you look forward to Sunday when you can... Get into God's house and get where Jesus is. Boy, we ought to look forward to it. We ought to desire it. You know, it's amazing, especially in the Christmas and this holiday season coming through, that a lot of people will forget about Jesus. You know, family comes to town and and they'll say, oh, well, I would normally go to church, but hey, grandma's in town, so I'm not going to go to church today. You want to experience the unexpected, the miraculous with God, you got to get where God is. You know, we have the privilege this year for Christmas, December 25th falls on a Sunday. And I think, man, what a treat. What a, what a joy to be able to come to God's house and celebrate Jesus' birth and, and, and sing praises to him on, on the day that we're celebrating his birth. Man, that, that is exciting. But do you know there's many churches that will not have church on Christmas because it's on Christmas Day? How sad. And there will be many who will stay home 
Because it's Christmas Day. After all, you wouldn't expect me to be in church on Christmas Day. It's God's, it's the Lord's day. It's the Lord's house. We're celebrating his birth. I can't think of a better time to be in God's house than on Christmas. What a, what a privilege. We're going to have a great time. By the way, we're not canceling services. We're going to have church on, on Christmas morning. We're going to have a special service here with the young people. I don't know if it'll be up next week. I told the guys by, by the first week in December we want to have it up. But, you know, we usually give the kids a, a gift on Christmas. This year what we're going to do is uh, we're going to hang 50 stockings here in the auditorium, right here on the front, front of each of these, the altar here. And uh, through the month of December, all of you get to fill the stockings up. And then on Christmas, any child that's here on Christmas Day gets to take their stocking home. We're going to write their name right on the stocking for them. And, and they get to watch it get filled up over the month. You know, we'll be filling it up through the month of December. It's going to be a fun time. But plan to be here. Don't miss out. Get where Jesus is. I remember one year my family and I were down south and we were on vacation and, uh, you know, when you're on vacation, you ought to be in church. Amen. Amen. We were on vacation, and it was Sunday, and we're with all of the Bottrells, all the aunts and uncles and grandma and grandpa and all that. And we were going to go to a particular church, and they gave us directions to the church, and everybody left a hotel, and we're on our way to the church. And somehow I got mixed up. Because when I pulled into the church, there were no more Bottrells there. I called on the phone. I'm like, where are you guys at? And they explained, and I looked on the map, you know, I'm like, Oh, they're a long ways from here. I said, well, there's no way for us to get to you. We'll see you at lunch after church is over. We're just going to stay here. We no, way, no reason to look around for any other church. We were in the parking lot of a church. So we got out of the car, First Baptist Church, walked inside. And we was the only white people <laughs> in the whole church. But you know what? It wasn't a minute or two. It wasn't just a couple minutes. And I could tell the Spirit of God was in that place. The Spirit of God was there. They were worshiping God. So we went in and we sat down and we had a time. We were worshiping Jesus. And my kids got introduced to another level of worship. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's good for them to get exposed to some things and to see some people just lifting their hands and praising God and worshiping Jesus. And we had a time in church that day. And my rest of my family had to go to some stuffy white church. <laughs> we, we came out of there rejoicing, man, praising God and having a time. And I think it was a church. Wasn't that a church that gave our kids money for Christmas? We, my kids all got money for Christmas. I mean, wow. Uh, some Sunday school teacher had brought $10 bills for all the kids. And little did they know we were bringing five more. But they gave $10 bills. So they, they went and told all their cousins, look what we got this morning. I mean, we had a time, but what I'm saying is we were there but a few minutes and I could say, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And man, it was good to worship God. And, and it didn't, we didn't feel out of place at all because we were with God. You got to get where God is if you want to see him do something great. Listen, you point to Jesus and he'll draw men to himself. We see the second reason for his motivation or, or cause for gratitude is the action of his friends. In verses 3 and 4, he says, And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and 
When they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. Listen, friend. Praise God for friends that point you to Jesus. The actions of his friends, this man had no means or capacity to get to Jesus on his own, but they said, come on, let's get him. Let's take him there. It's important. This is what he needs right now. Boy, they had faith born out of necessity. You know, sometimes it's not till you get flat on your back that you start to look up. I know we don't like the hardship. I know we don't like the turmoil, but maybe it is that very hardship that would cause us to turn our heart towards God. It is the very thing that maybe we despise that would motivate us to stop and look up for a minute. There was hardship here. There was a man who had no means to care for himself. No hope of a long or fulfilling life. And yet his friends had enough faith to carry him to Jesus. Faith produces fruit, friend. Your faith in God is never misplaced. Faith in God always comes through. These friends had faith and they had enough faith to do something. Their actions, you see, their actions put their faith on display. They were, I mean, come on, they tore the roof off to get this man to Jesus. What they did said, you know what? We don't know how Jesus does it. We can't really explain what's going to happen. I'm not sure what's going to be the end result, but here's what I know. If I get into the presence of God, if I get into the presence of this man named Jesus who was God in the flesh, something's going to happen. God's going to do something for him. We've got enough faith that we're going to go and do what we can to get this man to Jesus. And can I tell you something? Your actions display your faith. Every time you walk through the doors of the church and you come and sit down in a pew, you might say, I don't understand all of it. I can't expound the scriptures. I can't tell you how to do this or that. I can't explain the tribulation and and the rapture and the second coming. I don't know a whole lot about all of this, but what I do know is I got enough faith that when I get into the presence of God, something happens in my heart. God does something in my presence. I've got enough faith to know that it's worth getting in God's house. And your your actions display your faith. When you get up in the morning and you open this whole book and you begin to read it and you look at it and your eyes start to get cross-eyed and you start to see too and you start thinking, man, is this doing me any good? Your actions show your faith. As you begin to continue to read and you say, I'm not even sure what that verse means. But I know that all scripture is profitable. Your faith is on display. When you bow your head and pray that God in his mercy would meet the need of somebody you love and care for. Your faith is on display. You say, I don't know how God's going to do it. I don't know how he could answer this prayer, how he could meet this need. It seems impossible. But I know that he's an all-powerful God. And I've got enough faith to at least pause and ask him to do something. 
These friends, man, I praise God for their faith. They said, we're going we're gonna to get him to Jesus. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to get him there. If we got to tear the roof off, we're going to get him there. What a, what a reason for this man to, to praise and to thank and praise God because he's got some friends that are willing to get him to Jesus. The actions of his friends. Wow. They carried the burden together. Hey, can I use you guys again? Come on up here. I want all four of you to pick him up again. I want you to carry him back around to the other side. You're getting him to Jesus. Now, just a second. Shamar, I want you to let go and you, you go sit back down. Yeah, Anna, why don't you take off too? You're done. <laughs> you can't see, but it's closing up on him. It's collapsing. You see, they did it together. You can set him right there. Here's what I'm saying is, you guys can have a seat. It takes everybody doing their part. It takes all of us. You can have a seat too, Stephen. We don't want the blood all flowing to your head. Here's the thing. Sometimes you get tired carrying your portion. And you think, you know what? I'm kind of tired serving in this ministry. I'm kind of tired helping out with this. I'm kind of tired of doing that. For now, I'm just going to go. But when you do, you leave everyone else. You know what? You might be here this morning and you haven't picked it up yet. But there may be a place around this for you that uh, somebody has stepped away. And God is touching your heart and saying, you know what? I need to get involved in Sunday school ministry. I need to get involved in choir. I need to get involved in outreach of the church. I need to get involved in, in, in participating in this. I've, I've been coming and, and sitting in church long enough. I need to get in and pick up my part. Get in and get involved and be a part because they did it together. If God's stirring your heart to come in and pick up one side, you know, many hands make light work. They did it together. We carry the burden together, and that's how the church moves forward. Beloved, no one here should ever be walking through the storm alone. We have a church family. We have brothers and sisters. We need to do our part, hold one another up, carry our part of the cot. I want you to see thirdly here, the reason he had to praise and thank God to be grateful was the authority that God had to forgive. He says in verse number five, when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Man, you talk about the unexpected. 
the unexpected. These friends were bringing their friend to Jesus because they knew he was sick of the palsy, that he had a need, that his, he, he couldn't walk, that he was disabled, that, that he had this debilitating and destructive disease. But little did they know he had an even greater disease. He had a debt of sin that was on his heart that only God could forgive. And God, in his miraculous way and in his mercy, forgave him of his sin. Only Jesus has the power to forgive sin. And Jesus knew what he really needed. Oh, his friends thought he needed to stand up and walk. But Jesus knew he needed forgiven of his sin. You know, I know sometimes from a human standpoint, we look at situations and we look at things and, and the most pressing is what we see. But God knows what's really important. This, this man, I mean, the Bible tells us clearly, what shall a prophet of man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? If Jesus would have just healed this man's legs and let him walk out of there, he would have walked around for a few years, but he would have spent an eternity in a place called hell. But because God knew what he needed most of all was to be forgiven of his sins. God did that for him. He experienced the unexpected that day. And I can tell you in his heart, he knew what he received was of far greater value than the gift of walking. He knew that. And if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. I want you to know Jesus can and wants to forgive you. He wants to. He, he has all the power to forgive. One, come to him in faith. He'll, he'll forgive you. A college student described experience in the unexpected one day. <clears throat> he talked about how he went into class, he and all of his friends, and they had been studying and preparing for the final exam. They came into class and they sat down together and everybody's kind of asking questions and they're reviewing with each other and they're looking over their notes and waiting for the teacher to come in. This final exam was very, very important to the success of the class and, and they're, they're sitting there and the teacher comes in and the teacher says, well, won't take you quite as long to, uh, to take this test so I would like to spend a couple minutes and do some review with you and he begins to review the test with them and Right away, uh, many answers, kids are, you know, saying the answers, they're shouting them out, they're getting them real quick. I mean, a lot of it right off the study sheet, I mean, very easy. But as he continued to progress, less and less answers were coming. And pretty soon, students were getting a little bit concerned and worried. They're thinking, wait a minute, I don't know if I ever even heard, what is this you're asking? The, the, the kind of discomfort level raised to a point that one of the kids asked, like, I, I'm sorry, sir, but... A lot of us have no idea what you're talking about. Where do these questions come from? He said, well, it's in the book. It's in the book. And it's in the syllabus that we gave you at the beginning that you're responsible for everything in the book. Isn't that right? And it, Well, they really had no answer for that. Couldn't argue that they knew they were responsible for everything in the book, but not many of them had spent much time in the book. And then the teacher said, well... It's time for the test. We're going to pass out the test this morning. What I want you to do is leave the test upside down on your desk until everybody has it, and I will let everybody start and begin to take the test at the same time, if you would. They walked around the room, gave everybody a test. Everybody had it there. And the teacher said, okay, you can begin. 
they turned over the test and looked at it, but everybody was shocked to find the answers on the test were already filled in. Every answer, they they went through page one, page two, page three, got to the end of the test, and on the bottom of the test was written this note. This is the end of your final exam. All of the answers on your test are correct. You will receive a 100% on this exam. The reason you have received this A is because the creator of the test took it for you. Any work that you have done in preparation for this test has had no bearing on its result. You have just experienced grace with a capital A. Grace. That's the unexpected gift of God. You see, any work we do in preparation to try and and be a better person does not do it. It's only the grace of God because the creator of the universe paid our debt for us. This man had cause for gratitude, cause to be thankful because God forgave him. Are you thankful this morning for the grace of God? I want you to see, lastly this morning, the attitude of the fakes. In verses 6 through 12, we see those that had gathered around. You see, some had come that day to be cured. Some had gathered around out of curiosity. And some had gathered to criticize. You know, we see that, this, look, look at verse number 6. We see those that gathered to criticize here that was the scribes, the Pharisees. Verse 6, he says, But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sin but God only? You see, the religious crowd had great questions for Christ. They were ready to criticize Christ and say, Oh, how can he do this? How can he forgive sins? The Pharisees didn't want to believe. They wanted to question Christ. This went against what they thought, but Christ confronted them. He confronted them in verses 8 and 9. He says, And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Where, whether it is easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed. And walk. You see, beloved, God is showing him his authority to forgive by displaying his ability to heal. He asked of them the question, he says, Is it easier for somebody to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or is it easier for somebody to say, uh, Take up thy bed and walk? He was exercising his power to convince them of who he was in his person, God in the flesh. And he had the full authority of heaven to not only heal men of their physical ailments, but to forgive them of their sin. And he confronts them in verses 10 and 11. 
He says, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. You see, it's very clear. He says, this is the reason I did this. So you could know that God here, Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Man, they were confronted with the power of Christ, and they were amazed. We could, at a point here, we could call it the amazement of the faithful. You know, when you're faithful and you follow God, you get to experience the unexpected. You get to be amazed at the awesome power of a miraculous God. They said, we never saw it on this fashion before. Boy, we we never seen anything like this. And you get around God and you'll get to see it like you've never seen it before. You won't be able to explain it. But you just have to sit back and say, wow, God is good. God is good. You could say, like the songwriter said, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus, the Nazarene. And wonder how he could love me, a sinner, condemned and unclean. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Verse number two, sing it with me. For me it was in the garden. He prayed not my will but thine. He had no tears for his own griefs, but sweat drops of blood for mine. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. Let's sing that last verse together. Verse number five of the song. Would you stand to me? Stand with me. Rise to your feet. I'm asking the pianist to come and play a moment of invitation. When with ransom and glory his face I at last shall see. When ransom in the glory his face at last shall see. Twill be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. 
Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Is he marvelous to you? Is he wonderful? Have you had the privilege of experiencing the unexpected from an almighty and awesome God? I pray that you have. Get in his presence. Stay close to him and you will experience it.